It's Saturday at 6. It's time for your weekly music and entertainment fix. Backstage with Sinead Nivorda. With all the best music, interviews and live sessions. Live from the Radio Nova studios in the Dublin Docklands. Hello and very welcome along to the show on this Saturday evening. It's backstage with me, Sinead Ward. It's such a special one as this week marks the 30th anniversary of Phil Lynott. I'll be taking a look at the genius of the Thin Lizzy frontman and the man behind the mics. You're going to be hearing from those close to the man, his mum, Philomena Lynott, and Smiley Bulger, organiser of Viper Philo. I'll be playing music from Jape, one of the acts nominated for this year's Choice Music Prize and a big, big fan of fellow Crumlin bassist and singer, Phil. I'll be chatting to William McCarthy, Karen charismatic frontman of Brooklyn band Augustine's. He's playing a solo acoustic gig in the Grand Social next month. Plus, Guns N' Roses are in the live room. Backstage on Radio Nova. Let's get started, shall we? From Thin Lizzy, this is Don't Believe a Word on Radio Nova. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for, for having me. <laughs> oh, not a no, absolute pleasure. So the 30th anniversary, can't believe yeah. it's in 30 years, yeah. happened on Monday night. Yeah. Sellout, huge success. Yeah. How did it go? It was brilliant. It was like it was for, for me. It was uh, it was spiritual, yeah. you know, because like for for I think every vibe there's always a a point where you just feel the spirit, you know, in the room, right? But on this occasion, it was on more than one occasions. And from start to finish, you know, like, you, it was planned out, but 
you know, it just ran so smoothly and everybody played, you know, really came up to the mark and played beautifully. So, and it just got better and better and better. And and the audience were right behind, you know, right behind people all the time. So... Magical, it, was, it sounds pretty amazing, all right. And um, I see Eric Bell, of course, was playing. Yeah, and, uh, and Eric, Eric and Brian played together. Oh wow! Which was, you know, and was like that was, you know, like another really high point of the night. It must have been. I met yeah. Eric Bell just uh, a couple of months ago when yeah. he was playing in uh, the Mercantile. Such yeah. a lovely guy, and yeah. telling me about the stories about meeting up with Phil initially back in the day and how it all came about. It's just such amazing to hear the whole behind the scenes stories. Yeah. Um. So, mm. but what are your memories? What are would be your strongest memories of Phil himself? Oh, Phil! Mm. I don't really. Well, like, I suppose when you get you know you know when uh, when you get you've been, you've seen him from the time you were young, and then he was in the Black Eagles, and then you know the Orphanage, and then Tim Lizzie, <coughs> and you know right throughout it. But uh, so, so he like uh, guys who know him never patronised him and he didn't particularly like to be patronised not by you know Frank Murray or me or Jim Fitzpatrick or you mm. know people he would drink with right and uh, so like but he was really funny guy right and you know great crack to be with right yeah. and you know un- like sort of underscored uh, sort of sense of humour right so you know sometimes people will be like is he you know is he winding me up <laughs> or, or is he slagging me or whatever you know so he he had a wicked sense of humour you know? seems because like, I remember one day I got dropped home by a guy a taxi driver uh, from Dublin who grew up in Crumlin and grew up yeah. and was really good friends with Phil yeah. uh, you know lived on the same street and that he was telling me this gas story about uh, when Phil was over in his own house and yeah. his mum was having a bit of a yeah. gossip about Mrs. So and so had a colour TV it was a big deal at the time because obviously yeah. everyone had black and white yeah. tellies at the time or no telly at all or no telly at all even yeah so apparently Phil had walked into their living room went over the TV sat down on it went now Mrs now you've got colour TV (laughs) (laughs) he just seems to have a great kind of sense of humour so what kind of stories like can you remember from from that time you know what kind of insight can you give us into the man behind the microphone and the bass guitar oh yeah uh, it's a big wide question yeah it's a big big wide question I I suppose like uh, for me, sort of like you because know, like I was promoting it, you know, like I, I did practically everything within the music business. I was mm. a DJ, I was a journalist, you know, not all at the one time, right? Mm. But you know, DJ first, then I was doing journalism, and you know, I would have, you know, helped them a lot in the ways, right? And then there was, you know, all the time, right throughout, right up to the end. But I suppose the. the, the the way he would come to Dublin and sort of we'd organise these impromptu sessions, right? You know, grab a couple of local musicians, rehearse in the afternoon. Well, he'd come in, we, we'd do the tour of the pubs, mm. spread the word, like no publicity whatsoever, just word them out. And then we'd rehearse the afternoon and we'd do the gig last that night, right, in the place would be stuffed, whether, you know, it was like Mord's Hotel, Bagot Inn, McGonagall's, things like that. Yeah. And everyone would have a wonderful time. Uh, and then, you know, there was lots, there was always parties. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bit of a party animal, you know. Yeah. And uh, Did he have some party tricks? Uh, he probably did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me a bit about the half-mad Irishman? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. No one's, no one's brought up that subject for a while. 
<laughs> the Hat Man Irishman. Uh, yeah, that was my band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we had a we had a big hit single. Uh, now this is you for, and Phil. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, it, it it was the alternative song contest, right? The the time that Johnny Logan won the alternatives or won this Eurovision song contest with Shay Healy. Right then, the following year, Ireland were hosting the 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 Eurovision Eurovision, yeah. right? And uh, someone came up with the bright idea. I think Billy McGrath had a lot got to do with it, right? And BP Fallon, oh yeah, right? and I must have got dragged into it some way. So we organised an alternative song contest, right? And the rules were: if you played the bass, you couldn't play that instrument. You know, so people were making up bands, right? And whatever instrument you played, you couldn't play that instrument. You had to play some other instrument. And the worst song won. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of this. <laughs> yeah. And my band won, right? And we were bad. <laughs> you and Phil, how is yeah. that absolutely possible? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were bad. We were bad. But we did get to do, you know, CBS gave us a recording contract. No And we way. did get to, do, we, we did a single, right? Uh, which was um, a Mickey take on the Mountains of Morn. Brilliant. Right? So it was you and vocals. Yeah. And then and Phil, Phil on vocals. And vocals. Yeah. And Tin Whistle, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh I can't remember who else <laughs> who played drums. Well, Smiley Vulture, I better leave it there and let you go home. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing something like the Viper Phil and keeping it going for so long. Thank and you very much. Continuing the, the, the music and the legacy and the well, legend that is Phil Lina. Thank you. The same honey when you're not around. I've been spending my time in the old town. I sure miss you, honey. Now you're not around. Now you're not around. This old town.
You're backstage with Misha Naini Vorda on Radio Nova. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Saturday evening. And tonight, this whole week, we have been remembering the absolute legend who was Phil Lynott, who obviously continues to live on the hearts and minds of many. 30 years on, and he is still just filling people's hearts with joy. Um, so you heard me chatting with Smiley Bulger before, the organiser of Viper Philo, and yesterday I had the absolute pleasure of going out to meet his mum, Philomena Lynott, a wonderful, wonderful and glamorous lady, so kindly opened her doors to the home that Phil had actually bought for her for her 50th. So if you're tuning in, Philomena, again, it was such a pleasure to meet with you and look forward to catching up with you again. So I guess I started off the conversation by talking about Vibe for Philo and how Smiley Bulger had mentioned that it was a real spiritual thing. Like Smiley said, the emotion and seeing all these wonderful people travelling from Japan, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, Copenhagen, Belgium, France, Australia, America, everything. Everywhere. If I've left anybody out, I'm sorry. <laughs> and of course, all over Ireland and yeah. England. And But they all write to me t- throughout the year. And um, they have been writing to me ever since he passed away. And I know <laughs> how much Philip's music... They tell me everything. They tell me how Philip's music has kept them alive and inspired them. I get letters from prisoners in prison. Um, If my Philip had known how much he was, how much his fans loved him and his music, he once wrote a song and it was called I've Got to Give It Up. I'm sure he would have given it up. But the drugs took him. And I I talk to the fans about that. I tell them to warn their children Mm. about the dangers of drugs. I visit schools and prisons. And I talked... uh, I just... If I had known Philip was on heavy drugs, I knew that in the music world or whatever, that they were all dabbling in marijuana and stuff like that. Mm. I used to say to Philip, Philip, never, ever go on heavy drugs. And he would say, ah, Jesus, ma, uh, we all, we try everything. And, of course, by then he was in his 30s and, living in London, so I had no control. He was an adult then. But I didn't think that he would get involved in the heavy drugs that took his life. And uh, it it nearly killed me. I've never got over losing him. I died with him. But I came alive again when the fans started writing to me and telling me how much they loved them. And I realised I wasn't the only one grieving for him. And then they start wanted, they wanted something to commemorate him. And they started sending me money. And that was to build a statue. Ah. So they sent me over 100,000 euro. <gasps> now that would be, wow. uh, over a number of years, one, I'd open an envelope and it would have five euro in it. Yeah. 
and the latter would say, I'm out of work, can you put this five euro in the kitty? Then tribute bands were running concerts all over and the proceeds from the concerts after they'd paid their expenses, they'd throw in to the kitty. Radio Nova.